This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Good morning, I'm Michael Wilson. Thanks for joining me. Craig Earlham, Senior Market Analyst at Oanda. Craig, so very good morning to you. Um, so we've got this soaring stock situation again, haven't we? Um, I have a question for you. Do the markets know a bit more about post-pandemic life than the frightened consumers and governments do? Well, I mean, it, it's really difficult to say because, I mean, on the face of it, you can quite clearly see there is a huge uh, a huge gap between what many of these stock markets are saying and what the economic reality actually is for the rest of us. But then even, even if you look closer at this, you can see that the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ in the US are uh, at record highs but when we're looking across Europe the FTSE the CAC the DAX um, it's a very different story they have recouped a lot of their losses from the from the post-pandemic drop but they're nowhere near record high territory in the same way that the US is and when you look closer at the US it's quite clear to see that a lot of what's driving this these gains has been the major tech stocks which again is a, a kind of a broad reflection of the real acceleration that we've seen in pre-pandemic trends uh, and who the actual winners of that ultimately is. Uh, a look, you can see that uh, Apple is is more than forty percent higher than its pre-pandemic peak. I mean that's staggering. It's more than it's more than one hundred and twenty percent higher than its lows in March alone. And it's they're not they're not alone. Uh, Amazon is the same fifty percent higher than its pre-pandemic peak. One hundred percent higher than its March lows. So it, it, it's quite clear what's driving uh, this divergence that we're seeing between the stock markets and the the reality of what we can all see with our eyes. Speaking about Apple, it hit uh, a market valuation of $2 trillion yesterday. Incredible, isn't it? And only two years ago, it was $1 trillion. We talked about it then, I remember. Um, but it is under pressure, isn't it? It's under political pressure about its pressure about its links with China. And it's also um, and, and it's com- anti-competitive behaviour as well. So all is not rosy there. Is, is it too big to worry about these kind of things? Um, I mean... Y- you could argue that it is too big uh, and you could argue that it therefore needs to be divested and I'm sure there is uh, going to be lawmakers in the US who are going to be taking that view but ultimately the the, the, the US is in a race against China uh, and others but primarily China on the technology front and I don't think China is going to break down its largest firm so it's going to take a brave uh, US government to force many of these firms to divest that's not to say that they shouldn't but uh, yeah I mean Apple's growth has been absolutely staggering you say they've doubled in size in the last two years When you compare this two years ago, they were a trillion dollar company and someone like Saudi Aramco, who was looking to float um, a few percent of its shares, was valued at around two trillion dollars. So Apple has now overtaken them and um, and considerably so Saudi Aramco about one point eight billion. Two companies that have had very, very different uh, pandemics. But then you look at the the, what makes up these companies and you've got Saudi Aramco very heavily reliant on oil. Uh, We've seen a huge uh, drop off in, in oil demand, of course, through this pandemic, and that's expected to be sustained but there's also been a broader shift towards uh, greener techno- uh, greener energy. And then you look at someone like Apple where their services division has done extremely well throughout this. Um, obviously working from home, uh, the, the, the drive for more for faster networks, for faster broadband, 5G, all of these benefit anyone who uses uh, an Apple device and, uh, and that's why the stock has done so extremely well. Whether the actual reality of how well the, the company is expected to do or will do over the next few years kind of lines up with a 50% jump on its pre-pandemic highs, that's another question entirely, but 
it's quite clear to see which companies have done extremely well out of these lockdown measures uh, and, 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 and why we are therefore seeing, as I said earlier, this kind of divergence between re- stock markets and reality. Actually, talking about companies that have done rather well, Airbnb um, is apparently um, submitting papers to go for an IPO. It, it is odd, isn't it, that a uh, pandemic um, has not really affected it or doesn't seem to have done, because obviously you've got to be out and about to use Airbnb, and we haven't been out and about. Um, the, w- there's no details of timing uh, yet, um, but I would imagine it probably would be quite successful. It'll be big, won't it? It will be big, but it, I mean, it depends. I, I must be honest. I, I did. I was quite surprised that they were still pushing for this potentially even this year because they they obviously call themselves a technology firm. They effectively hook up people who want to rent out their properties with people who want to rent them off them. But as you say, travel is down quite considerably, and uh, many airlines and other businesses related to travel and tourism have been hit heavily um, by the pandemic. And of course, there is more domestic travel, uh, which so there is still going to be certain demand here. But there's many companies who are now up and running again who are doing so under strict conditions because of the pandemic in order to ensure safety. Do, will these continue to apply to uh, to people who are renting out their homes, for example, uh, in the same way that they will to hotels? So I, I'm quite surprised that uh, Airbnb is still looking to do this. Yes, the, the 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 stock markets are doing extremely well, and you would imagine their valuation is going to be lifted. This kind of rising tide lifts all approach. So you can yeah. imagine they're looking at this and saying, you know what, we are facing a very challenging couple of years. But as long as the stock markets are high, then there is still going to be interest there. There is still a flood of liquidity in these markets thanks to what the central banks are doing. So there's still that that's still going to help this valuation. But I don't feel like it's almost the best time as far as the company is concerned because at least in the near to medium term, the impacts that the is going to have on the travel industry is surely going to have an impact on them even if they do define themselves as a technology firm but maybe they're relying on this latter point to really drive uh, to drive the ipo home overnight the asian markets um took what the fed said last night rather badly um because it was pessimistic about the future well it wasn't particularly optimistic about the future um i have to say yeah i agree with them don't you and uh, it's, it's the way stock markets work of course but um what what do you, what was important about what was said in those minutes well, I mean, uh, as you said, they, they weren't particularly optimistic about the future, but they were also not overly committal. It, there was nothing in the minutes that really shocked me, if I'm honest. I think maybe people were hoping for a little bit more optimism. But uh, they, they, again, they, they, they've said that they, they may revise their kind of uh, forecasts or they may revise their forward guidance um, at some point and people seem to have suggested that's going to come soon uh, and that maybe that therefore they're going to start talking about the potential to be raising interest rates or at least uh, stop loosening monetary policy, maybe even tightening slightly whether by purchase or or otherwise. Uh, Again, I, I think... I think people are reading too much into these minutes. I think there's very little chance that the Fed's going to be doing really anything over the course of the next 12 months. We are still seeing surges in cases around the world. We are still seeing second spikes. The US itself or across the Sun Belt is still only just recovering from a, a, a quite severe second wave of its own. Uh, I still think there's considerable uncertainty. So I don't think this is going to be a point when central banks are even going to re- be remotely considering um, uh, uh, tightening monetary policy in any way, shape or form. So uh, I think yes there has been a bit of a drop off in these markets but I think it's an overreaction because there's nothing in these minutes that should come as a surprise to anyone. Okay um, I don't know the answer to this question hence I'm asking you what, what, what do you feel as a, the, polit- the change in the political landscape if it were to happen in the United States what would the effect on the Fed actually be? 
So this should be this should, there should be no effect on the Fed. The Fed is an independent body, but you can imagine that under a Biden presidency, there'd be a lot less public pressure. It's always been a thing that presidents aren't meant to comment on what the Fed's doing and particularly try to influence them. That independence is 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 an is a hugely important cog um, in in the functioning uh, of 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 the central bank and its focus primarily on its mandate. Um, so. In a Biden presidency, you can imagine that the be <clears throat> that that would go back to the norm. Whereas, obviously, Trump has very much uh, strayed away from those types of relationship. Whether that's actually influenced the Fed or not it is difficult to say. I think when President Trump first started commenting on the Fed's um, uh, policy making and uh, all, all that time ago, uh, I feel like it almost worked against him because it almost felt like there was a reluctance in the Fed to be pushed around and bullied, and therefore they were a bit slow um, to adjust to what the reality was. They, were, they continued to tighten interest rates a little bit too uh, long and were probably a bit too slow to then react in the opposite way so it almost worked against them whether that's actually true or not you, you you will never be able to prove but at the time it did feel like there was a kind of pushback approach so it didn't certainly work in in president trump's favor of course he carried on that rhetoric going into the election because he needed someone else to blame uh, for the economy not performing to the levels that he wanted so it's uh, I think the relationship between the two bodies will change. Uh, whether that therefore impacts the actual uh, approach to monetary policy, I'm uh, I'm not convinced because I think the Fed's probably learned a lot about how it handles itself uh, in that time. This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Uh-huh.